Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo, soon to be Senate of the state pre- uh, president of the state Senate, I should say. She's our currently our state senator. We'll also visit with Nathan Cunin. He is a communications associate with the American Federation for Children. Uh, we'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author Jim McTagg. It is September the 6th, and on this day in 1995, Baltimore Orioles shortstop Cal Ripken Jr. played in his 2,131st consecutive game, breaking Iron Horse Lou Gehrig's record for the most consecutive games played. The Iron Man was credited with reviving interest in baseball after a 1994 work stoppage, uh, forcing the cancellation of the World Series and soured fans on the national pastime. Ripken's father, Cal Sr., what a guy he was, was a former minor league journeyman catcher along with his wife Vi, instilled the perfect practice makes perfect philosophy in Cal and his younger brother Billy. Cal was a high school pitcher and shortstop for Aberdeen High School in Maryland, uh, while his father coached for the manager Earl Reavers, Weaver's Orioles, one of the most successful teams in baseball during the 60s through the 80s. Cal Ripken Jr. often got to take an infield with the team and learned the tricks of the trade from the best in the business. In 1978, the O's made Cal their second-round pick in the amateur draft. He made his major league debut three years later, and on May the 30th, 1982, began a streak of consecutive games played that would last 17 seasons, if you can believe that. <clears throat> later that year, Weaver switched the 6-4 Ripken from uh, third base to shortstop, a position that at the time typically played by smaller men. Ripken's quickness and great baseball instincts made him a natural, and his success redefined the shortstop archetype. Uh, Ripken was named Rookie of the Year in 1982 and American League MVP in 83 and 91. He went on to play 2,632 games in a row before ending the streak by voluntarily removing himself from a game against the New York Yankees on September the 19th, 1998. He retired after 2001 season with his lifetime record of home runs by a shortstop, 345, and a record for fielding percentage by a shortstop in a season, .9956 in 1990, and he played in 19 All-Star games and was awarded the MVP All-Star in uh, 1991 in his last All-Star game in 2001, where he hit a solo home run. He was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2007 and a record 75,000 fans attended his induction ceremony. Yeah, He's uh, been a favorite down here on the Paradise Coast. He's been good friends of one of the great contributors to the community. In fact, he uh, owns a, a minor league team with him. I had an opportunity to meet him and I talked with him, and uh, I was a big Baltimore Orioles fan back in the day. I remember asking him, I said, I've never seen you thrown out of a game except I was actually attending a game where I saw you thrown out of the game while you were at bat. 
And he said, you know, and he went on to describe exactly what happened in that at bat, what the umpire said, what he said. It was a pretty amazing thing. In any event, Cal Ripken, the Iron Man, well, with 2000, what was it, uh, six, a lot of, 17 seasons of uh, participating in every single game. Pretty amazing. Never happened again, I, I can assure you. I want to bring uh, to your attention a, a special opportunity for all of us here on the Paradise Coast. Between September the 8th and the 28th, that we have Sizzle Dining. It's called Restaurant Week. It actually goes on for three weeks. Annual community-driven event that celebrates the culinary landscape in both Lee and Collier counties by offering fixed-price meals to local residents and visitors. It's once a year, and the event includes 30 uh, the best restaurants in Cape Coral down to Marco Island and everywhere tasty in between. <clears throat> You can show support has never been so delicious for every single sizzle dining meal purchased during the three-week event. Each participating restaurant will donate $1 directly to the Blessings in a Backpack SWFL, a local 501c3 charity that feeds food-insecure elementary students every weekend during the school year. It's called Dine with a Purpose. Each of the participating restaurants will offer a delicious three-course fixed-price dinner for either $32 or $42, depending on the location. Uh, our growing food scene has a lot to celebrate. This is, event encourages people to leave their comfort zones and check out a new-to-them restaurant, including the independently-owned restaurants we need for our food uh, culture to survive. Sizzling uh, dining highlights and strengthens our local destination's brand and culinary reputation. In other words, it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, restaurants that get increased business during this slow time of the year before the season. Uh, we get great deals when we go to these restaurants. And uh, there's, again, also this uh, kids who are food insecure benefit as well. So here's how to do it. You can go and check out the restaurants that are participating. It's www.sizzledining.com. Sizzledining.com is the website. You can go through the amazing menus of each of the participating restaurants and then just make your reservation and you're off and running. It's going to be a great opportunity for, again, win-win for everybody involved. <clears throat> well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis used Labor Day to remind Americans that the Sunshine State took steps to protect the rights of Floridians to earn a living during the Chinese coronavirus pandemic, which is continuing to pay off for the state residents. Florida has more people employed than uh, prior to the pandemic. Florida reopened its state early on, defying critics, and as a result, Florida still reported fewer new cases of the coronavirus per capita than locked down blue states for months on end. And to this day, the Sunshine State is reaping the re rewards as unemployment rate dropped to an historic low in July. Florida unemployment uh, rate dropped to 2.7% for the month of July, the lowest since the start of the Chinese coronavirus pandemic in February 2020. According to the governor's office, the state has only reached such lows three times since Florida began recording unemployment in 76. The current rate of, uh, reflects a 0.1% drop from the June's rate. How much lower can it go, really? But overall, Florida's unemployment rate is 0.8% lower than the national unemployment rate and has been uh, since December 2020. The growth of Florida's labor force outpaced the country's growth by 0.2% over the last month compared to 0.1% lost nationally. Further, the governor's office noted that Florida's labor force grew by 291,000 folks, or 2.8% between July 2021 and 22. Uh, July's job numbers represent one of the largest months job gains over the past generation and Floridians, 
Florida continues to outpace the nation in labor force growth, DeSantis said. Pretty amazing thing. Just really pleased, again, that he's our governor. Also on the Florida scene, more than 2,100 educators in June and July attended the learning series. 81.7% of attendees said the presenters effectively modeled instructional strategies. The department hosted a 10 three-day civics training for educators across the state. You may be aware that uh, we're really uh, enhancing civics training for kids uh, in school. So this is the strategy they're using. They're taking the uh, educators through the curriculum first so they can get a good feel for how to present it. Despite the media's false narrative surrounding Florida's civics professional learning, our educators found it to be beneficial and a helpful resource for classroom instruction. That, according to Manny Diaz, he's the education uh, commissioner. I'm pleased to hear such a positive response from attendees, and I look forward to it gathering additional feedback as educators across the state prepare to teach the new revised civics and government standards. The session prepared teachers for Florida's revised civics and government standards. The four priorities for the, uh, teaching this is student uh, study primary source documents to understand the philosophical underpinnings of the American Republic. Students compare the success of the United States to success and failure of other nations. Students have a sense of civic pride and participate regularly in levels of government. And students reflect upon uh, United States civic history so they can understand the rights and responsibilities of citizens. It's a pretty terrific program. And congratulations to Floridians for establishing, of course, Kathleen Pasadomo in the state Senate and the House, as well as the governor and Manny Diaz, the uh, commissioner of education. Well, faith in the direction of the country was low a year ago, but it's even lower now, according to the latest Rasmussen Reports poll. A majority of likely U.S. voters, 65%, the country said the country is heading in the wrong direction under President Joe Biden, and with Democrats having control of both House and the Senate, the number is four points worse than a year ago and one point worse than last week's poll. Just 29% believe the country is heading in the right direction, which is five points lower than the 34% who said the same thing last year. The findings run contrary to polls showing Democrats are mitigating a long-expected red wave in the November midterm elections. And uh, this is a pretty substantial poll at 2,500 likely U.S. voters between August 28th and September the 1st. has a margin of error of 2%. So uh, with all the shenanigans that the president's been pulling, including uh, the Fuhrer standing up in in Freedom Hall, uh, making his speech, it was just awful. My goodness, just it was creepy. As I said, my last uh, prison or my last uh, show. But nevertheless, all this he continues and uh, his popularity continues to uh, plummet. Yesterday, uh, Britain's Conservative Party announced that Liz Truss, the country's current foreign secretary, has been elected to the party's new leader, as the party's new leader. That's not a full election by the populace, it's uh, by the party itself. This means she'll replace Boris Johnson as the UK's prime minister after he resigns in July. Truss, uh, who plans to govern as a conservative, has big plans to slash taxes. It's a move she says will help grow the economy, and she expects to lay out her plan to address the country's energy bills as soon as Thursday. Here's hoping she delivers because UK is facing a dire winter energy crisis. 80, there is, as expected, 80% increase in household electricity bills 
a cost-of-living crisis, a potential recession. During his last speech, Prime Minister Johnson said it's time to get behind Liz Truss. We're really pulling for her on this side of the uh, ocean. Today, uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth II is scheduled to formally appoint Truss as Britain's uh, Prime Minister. Interesting process they have. That's after Johnson has given uh, a chance to his farewell remarks. But in the break from tradition, the ceremony will take place at Balmoral Castle in Scotland rather than Buckingham Palace, and that's because the 96-year-old queen is dealing with mobility issues. Uh, Truss will be the third woman to lead the country as prime minister, but she's also taking over uh, Downing Street without a national general election, and she's inheriting a country in the midst of a lot of crises. So uh, we're really uh, rooting for her. hope she does well. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com and give them a call. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. 
And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, also building a beautiful 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Nathan Kuneen. Right now we have with us our state senator and soon-to-be president of the Senate, in Florida, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, affordable housing and a big problem here in Florida, of course. Now, we've, in, in background is, of course, we have inflation driving up the price of the housing stock here all over Florida. Plus, uh, we've got uh, companies like BlackRock and others coming in and buying up uh, the housing stock. So uh, just in that kind of environment where we're seeing prices go up and, of course, making things less affordable, uh, this is something that you said is very important to you. I was wondering if you could tip your hand a little bit in what you're thinking about. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, first of all, you know, I moved to Naples in 1979, and even back then the county commission was talking about lack of housing for people who work here. Uh, we've really done nothing. And as I have been traveling around the state, uh, you know, uh, at events for uh, Senate campaigns. The number one issue that comes up all the time is where do the people who work for me live? And I'm not talking about um, um, places, you know, Section 8 housing. What I'm talking about are, you know, first, uh, somebody graduated from college gets a job in a bank. Uh, no place to live. They have to live at home. Uh, for example, the starting salary for a state attorney, that's just somebody who went to law school, is about $70,000. They can't afford to live in Naples or anywhere along the coast. Hmm. And that's, just, that's the challenge. The challenge is all the properties along the coast are too expensive. In Miami-Dade, the medium home price for a teardown in a not-safe neighborhood is about $500,000. Wow. So we have to do something to... Um, help businesses, help their employees find safe, uh, attainable housing. And how do we do this? We don't do it by um, states just throwing money at it. How we do it is by providing tax credits, for example, to businesses that um, are working on affordable housing projects. We uh, encourage local governments to provide density bonuses and allow um, workforce housing in uh, commercial areas, um, things that are creative, good solutions for rental housing, because a lot of these first-time um, employees, uh, they, they, they're not ready to buy a house. Mm -hmm. They want to rent. They want to rent near where they work. And, you know, they want to do that for about five years, try to save a little money, and then go ahead and, and uh, buy a house. That kind of makes sense. It sounds to me like you're focusing on incentives and perhaps uh, restructuring some of the housing codes around the community, having incentives for local communities to, for example, in, in a commercial, where, where perhaps the commercial area is kind of getting run down or, or not uh, being as profitable, uh, to, to make it turn it into an opportunity for housing. Yeah, think about this. When you drive up US 41 or US 1 or 17 or 98 or any of those uh, transportation corridors. What do you see on either side of the road? You have strip centers. Many of them are uh, vacant because our retail 
uh, you know, mom and pop stores, unfortunately, have um, had to go because of, you know, the home delivery um, companies like Amazon. So all those strip centers lying vacant, why not renovate them to build apartments above them? Also, the, um, a lot of these malls uh, and uh, big boxes, they're all one story. Mm-hmm. Why not build uh, housing, rental housing over them? I was joking that I spoke to public and I said to them, you know, you guys, stores are always one story. Why not build apartments over your um, your stores or, or at least lease your air rights to a, a rental developer? And then our, our seniors who we don't want driving, they won't have to drive to uh, to the grocery store. They can just take the elevator. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of creative solutions that we need to encourage. I think that is very innovative. I mean, think about what happened in New York City. A lot of uh, lofts, commercial lofts, were, trans- were changed into, for example, uh, housing. And, and then it became very fashionable to live, to w- live in one of those lofts. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the thing the thing is, too, when you look at these commercial areas, uh, if there aren't those strip centers, what do you have? Uh, you know, five, six-story banks, the hospitals, office buildings. The people who work there, I can imagine, would love to be able to walk to work. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if you were a nurse that you could, could live right across the street from the hospital and just cross the street? You know, we have to get creative and... and um, you know, I keep saying we're creative because, unfortunately, government does not know how to be creative. But I, but I have some really uh, good people on my staff that have been working all summer on uh, solutions. And it's not like we're inventing anything. There's things that are being done all over the country and the world, for that matter, that we could um, that we could emulate. Well, you know, I think that's true. Uh, we're kind of boxed in by the way we think about communities and community development. So. I think sitting, uh, thinking outside the box is a great idea. I, I keep on thinking, you know, you see some of these shop- shopping malls that were once a great place to shop. Well, perhaps the community's changed a little bit or whatever, and you see the traffic is less and less and less. And I think it gives developers and uh, owners an opportunity to change what they're doing and uh, perhaps rezone. Well, also, uh, you know, you don't have to uh, get rid of the retail. You yeah. keep that on the first floor geared towards the people who live there. Yeah. Uh, there are some uh, developers that are doing that all over the state. There's a, a couple that I visited in Jacksonville. It makes sense. They had a dry cleaner. They had a drugstore. They had, you know, services that the people who lived in the apartments above uh, would need. And it made a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Kathy, before I let you go, any uh, thoughts on uh, November 8th? Now we passed Labor Day, and uh, now it's going <laughs> it's it's to get steamy and hot here in the elections. How's it looking? Well, it looks pretty good for um, Republicans in Florida. Um, you know, we still recall that Florida stayed open while other states uh, shut down, and our economy is booming. I think at last, at the last... Uh, uh, meeting I heard, we were almost $20 billion in reserves because we are, our economy is doing so well. So I think we're going to do well. We, the other thing is we have really great candidates running for office, great. starting with the governor through our, uh, through our cabinet and, you know, the congressional races. And, and, and I'm proud to say, particularly in our Florida Senate, we have terrific candidates that um, I'd love to talk about the next call because some of them have the most compelling stories you've ever heard. 
Outstanding. Kathleen Pastemo, again, our state senator. I so much appreciate your time here on the show, Kathleen. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, uh, Nathan Cunin. He is the communications associate with the American Federation for Children. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can download the app and learn more by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Nathan Cunin. He's the communications associate with the American Federation for Children. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Nathan. Tell us about the American Federation for Children. Of course. Well, the American Federation for Children is the nation's largest school choice advocacy organization and the only national org that uh, is capable of fighting for children and their access to school choice through uh, regular advocacy, legislative advocacy, and elections. So we work hard across the country to create more access uh, to policies that allow families to use their education dollars at the education provider that best meets their individual needs. Um, that could be alternative, alternative public schools other than what they're geographically assigned to. That could be uh, a private school that they need help accessing financially. That could be a charter school or a homeschool, or I think you get where I'm going. Oh, absolutely. And uh, really appreciate uh, I think that's so important. 
Nathan, and I appreciate your mission. Uh, so uh, you, I can tell by your area code, you grew, you grew up in Florida. Uh, tell us a little bit about your education background. Of course. So as you said, I grew up in the great state of Florida, uh, and I was actually a beneficiary of the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship, which is Florida's largest school choice program. Uh, starting at an early age, it was very important to my parents that I got an education that both aligned with our family values and met our rigorous academic standards. Um, so starting in the first grade, my parents used the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship to put me into a private school. And for eight wonderful years uh, through elementary and middle school, I had a great time uh, learning a ton at a small uh, private school that really invested in me. Uh, and took the time to, to nurture me into the kind of student that was going to go on to succeed. Uh, and ultimately, I, in, in my youth, uh, and I say this with, with great shame, I ended up taking that opportunity for granted. I, I begged my parents to let me give up my scholarship so that I could go to our big local public school so that I could be a sports star. Um, they relented, they let me give up my scholarship uh, and ultimately, that proved to be a very, uh, very bad decision. Hmm. Once I got into my new school, I really struggled academically. I struggled socially. I struggled morally um, and ended up turning around and begging my parents to let me go back hmm. to a similar environment with which I had grown up in, in, in a private school again. Um, but we couldn't afford to do that. So once again, I needed the assistance of the tax credit scholarship to make my education possible. Uh, so, so what I say all of everywhere I go, what I say is that, you know, school choice saved me twice, but so many millions of other students around the country never have that opportunity once. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a wonderful story. And it, that's the kind of opportunity I like to see for every parent to be able to send their child where they know they can get the best possible education and support. And that's, uh, it varies from student to student. We're all different for sure. And uh, it should be in the hands of the parent, quite frankly. I'd love to get to the point where we have the money, the tax dollars follow the child, no matter where they decide, where the parents decide to send them so absolutely you sent you wrote a great great piece and it's in the new york post it's called teachers union sold out our kids maybe you can tell us about it of course so uh late last week on thursday actually the national center for education statistics study or er, published the first results of nationwide testing throughout the covid <clears throat> pandemic period um, and this test called uh, the National Assessment for Education Progress measures math and reading scores in American fourth grade students. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the results that this test showed is that there has been severe learning loss over the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, the, the amount for which students have lost varies based on the quality of their performance before and you know some other demographic issues but the the headline is that the pandemic erased about two decades of slow incremental academic progress from our students mm -hmm. um and the, the piece that i wrote in the post is making the argument that national teachers unions and other education gatekeepers very willingly traded those two decades of progress for the 200 billion dollars of federal COVID relief, quote unquote, relief money that they lobbied for uh, 
throughout COVID. So if you allow me to just back up, I would like to tell a little bit about the story. Oh, sure. Please do. I mean, it's, uh, it's how the money was used. that's just so frightening. Yes. Yes. So if you flash back with me for a second to 2020, when COVID first appeared on the scene and schools shut down, you know, that was a reasonable response to a completely unprecedented situation. Right. You know, we wanted to keep kids safe, wanted to keep teachers safe. We had no idea what was going on. It made sense to shut down schools. But evidence very quickly showed that there was no medical reason to keep schools closed for any prolonged period of time. And private schools and charter schools all across the country safely reopened without any adverse effects on staff or student body. Now, instead of public schools returning to instruction, the teachers unions and the education gatekeepers kept the schools closed. And in fact, as I go into in my article, got caught lobbying the CDC to change the standards for reopening so that they could continue to push for this massive amount of federal relief mm. and essentially using our kids as hostages to secure this massive pot of money. Oh, which, by the way, was five times more than the CDC itself said was necessary to keep schools safe. Mm. And so in, instead of doing what was best for kids, kids became used as political pawns. Yeah. Yeah, just, and the result is this disastrous amount of learning loss. Yeah, it's, it's so sad. And, uh, you know, also holding out for things that have nothing to do with education. That's right. That's right. You, I think you're speaking specifically of the Los Angeles teachers unions who said, we're not going to return to school until we have a wealth tax, until we have Medicare for all, yeah. until we have a ban on charter schools and you know, a, a lot of people in the education space, myself included, kind of sat back and said, what does this have to do with teaching kids how to read or write? Absolutely or, nothing. And it, it all comes down to political agenda. So just think about the loss of opportunity. Uh, to just direct that money to making sure the kids could uh, enhance their learning as opposed to trying to fulfill some sort of a ideological uh, game plan. Yeah. That's, and there's really, going away from this, there's really two primary takeaways. First of all, we need to do something to remediate this massive learning loss. And second of all, we need to make sure that our system is built in such a way that this is never possible again. Uh, and, and, you know, the fortunate thing, and perhaps the only silver lining in this situation, is that school choice is the pathway to both of those things. School choice is going to help students recover by getting them access to the education they need to catch up. And it's going to de it's going to decentralize the power structure in education so that the teachers unions and the other gatekeepers can never forcefully shut down uh, this sort of hostage taking ever again. Yeah. Uh, great organization. I, I'm so impressed you actually got this published in the New York Post. That's pretty, pretty impressive, Nathan. Uh, do you have does the American Federation for Children does a uh, website? Of course, you can check us out at federationforchildren.org. Federationforchildren.org. Nathan, great story, great organization. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you very much. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Sorry, I was on speaker today. My my iPhone freaked out, and I couldn't get to the phone. Um, <laughs> the phone portion of the program, the, the, the thing we use least on our, our smartphones is the phone app. Yeah. Um, yes, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's getting ugly out there. It certainly is. Boy, did, I don't know if you saw Biden's speech. but it was <laughs> I did. I, I realized they, they, the uh, set backdrop was a reprisal of the devil's advocate with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. Yeah, unbelievable. I'd love to talk, have you talk about your trip to Belize, but well, you, you wrote a column also. Unfortunately, we need Biden to take the U.S.-China Internet war very seriously. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, and of course that title's pretty much tongue-in-cheek since we know he's getting paid as the big guy in <clears throat> Hunter Biden ongoing rolling uh, ridiculous crime uh, family activities. Right. But um, I, I wrote about this a long time ago, but as we get closer to officialdom, it becomes more and more crucial. Um, the, the way the world works on, on wireless technology, and we're approaching 5G, you've heard about 5G, but we're not there yet from a global standards perspective. And this is where it gets globally very important. The country that gets to a certain threshold of 5G 
company. Four G, three G, every G generation. It's just it's G stands for generation of wireless technology. The country that gets there first gets to set the global standards. And every generation thus far, we've gotten there first. Now, as you as anyone listening can probably guess, it's a two country race every time. It's us and it's China. Mm-hmm. And China certainly knows it's about five years ago or, or so under Trump. Uh, China's cat paw in uh, Taiwan or sorry, in Singapore is a company named Broadcom, and they're like the Gordon Gecko of of uh, uh, tech tech companies. They go in, they buy it, they break it up. Well, research and development, of course is the first thing to go in one of these takeovers because that's a long-term investment that's not immediately profitable. Mm-hmm. And they, China had Broadcom try to do a hostile takeover of Qualcomm. Qualcomm's a San Diego company that's almost single-handedly responsible for all the generational advancements we've had wow. on wireless technology. And they wanted to have, have them break it up, and, and therefore, therefore, by default, China would be first. Um, by the way, just as a personal note, I met the lady engineer who figured out how to connect phones to the internet. Wow. She's the one that figured it out. That was a very, very cool geek moment for me. Yeah, understood. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the point is, we're, we were we've been first to the tape every time. Five G is more important than all the previous Gs combined because now you're going to have smartphones, smart apps, smart. It's the Internet of Things. It's not just the internet. It's the everything's. Everything inanimate is going to become animate. And the, that's going to be obviously controlling everything. We're hearing in California with smart um, thermostats, the government's turning off your, your air conditioning because you're using too much electricity per their dictates. Well, imagine if China had that control with the global standards. Mm. And, and, and it's not, that's one aspect of it is the control aspect. The other aspect is think of the quillabytes of additional data that's going to be collected on on everyone's movements and activities. Hmm. Now, I'm not particularly thrilled that the U.S. government's going to have access to this, but in a neck-and-neck race with China, my my rooting interests are in the United States. So it's getting down to the wire now. We're getting close to the point where the global standards are going to be set, and China's in all these meetings lobbying to be the the country to set all these standards. And of course, uh, where we need to—it's—it's it's in our interest and in the global interest to have the Biden administration fighting for U.S. Uh, assertion of the right to set these standards. And I'm not entirely confident that the Biden, the bought-off Biden administration, is doing that quite as heartily as they probably. No, yeah, I mean the, the next two times that uh, the Biden administration stands up for the United States will be the first and second. Yes, and and, uh, and against China. Yeah. So where they're, are... They're too busy attacking half the country domestically to do anything about actual enemies abroad. So where do we stand with 5G then? Where is, is it years away? Is it months away? No, it, it, you know, it's, it's one... Of, we have a very, very, very large country. So it, it, it takes a lot to connect us. I, I spent the, 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 two, the 2010s, fighting people on television and in print where these leftists who said, gosh, South Korea has much faster internet than we do. And I'm like, yeah, because South Korea is smaller than Texas. Try digging trenches for 500 miles to connect six homes. (laughs) 
uh, that's a little bit of a topographical advantage that small countries have over countries like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so China's large, too, obviously. They have over a billion people. That, they have to have some room for these people. Um, it's a large country, too. So it's, 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 it's close. Um, I've read things where um, China's in the lead. I've heard from some domestic sources that are in the game that say, no, we're in the lead. It's not a huge lead, but we're in the lead. And, and again, there are some fundamentals that get measured that determine who sets these global standards. And as much as I don't like the current administration, I'd rather have the U.S. government doing it rather than China. Yeah, absolutely. Although this whole notion about uh, privacy, that's a whole separate oh, it's discussion. Getting, yeah, it's, it's, it's a scene, man. <laughs> it's a yeah. whole, whole separate discussion, but it's really important. And 5G just enhances the opportunity to put us with uh, vaccine mandates and all kinds of things. The uh, social credit score, you, you, like China has. So China has a social credit score, and if you've tweeted, if you've tweeted incorrectly or spoken out incorrectly, all of a sudden you don't have electricity, you don't have gas. Yeah, it's, that's that's and kind of like the United States. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing in common with the United States, like like California. Um, yeah. As I always say, California is ten years stupider than the U.S. And Europe's 10 years stupider than California. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Seton, it's just so interesting how this is unfolding. So what can we do, and what should we do in order to support the effort? Well, just, you know, unfortunately, we have Jurassic Congress who are in their 70s and 80s, and this is like doing a card trick in front of a dog for most of these congressmen. They just don't understand what's happening um, on these modern technologies. And... I'm reminded very quickly of the late Orange Ash was questioning Mark Zuckerberg in the Senate, and he said, he prefaced his questions by saying, I'm head of the Republican Technology Caucus in the Senate. And then he said, Mark Zuckerberg, how do you make money? You give everything free. How do you give money? How do you make money on Facebook? And Zuckerberg, completely aplumb, said, uh, we sell ads, Senator. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, it's just, so I, I'm concerned that our <laughs> Jurassic Congress, which is D.C.'s oldest retirement home, uh, our old age community, um, is not up to the task of properly dealing with this. Plus, of course, to big tech owns Congress, so it's inordinately difficult to actually. We've never passed a data privacy law in 25 years of the existence of the Internet because big tech locks it up every time it gets anywhere close to, to the finish line. Yeah, no, I, I heard that, that Instagram got fined $400 million by a European country. I forget which one, but the point is that the, they seem to be more active in protecting privacy than we are here. They're, they're, uh, that's one of the areas where they're 10 years less stupid than we are. <laughs> Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org and read some of Seton's great stuff lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Uh, He retired and now he's writing books, some great murder mysteries. Father the Leader was his first, uh, and uh, Shake the Money Tree, a sequel, and then the sequel to Shake the Money Tree is uh, No Problem. Jim McTagg. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure, Bob, and I want to add that all my uh, villains in these books are politicians. So uh, who'd have thunk? Yeah. Thunk. <laughs> Indeed. So, Jim. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking out my window. We've had a drought here. I'm living in central Pennsylvania now, having moved from inside the Beltway. I'm in uh, Lancaster County, and we've had two days of soaking rain, and it's beautiful because it was beginning to look like uh, we might have to worry that our lawns would burst into flames. So, yeah, no. Uh, that's the weather report. Um, so it kept me in uh, this weekend reading the papers, and uh, I like to say I read the New York Times so you don't have to, <laughs> because it's pretty much a liberal rag, and I was shocked to see an article that would give people good reason to vote Republican in the midterms, even though the Republican Party doesn't have a coherent uh, platform uh, other than we're not Democrats. So, so and. The article was about a Republican push to have a constitutional amendment for a, a balanced budget and why that would be, you know, Senator Russ Feingold from Wisconsin fretting that that would be a terrible idea. 
hmm. because you can't control the agenda of a constitutional convention. And the Republicans might do all kinds of terrible things like, uh, you know, roll back the power of the EPA. So in my mind, hallelujah, you know, there's, there's uh, reason enough to vote for Republicans in the midterm election. Yeah, I mean, uh, having a constitutional convention, thats uh, it is actually, I think it's Article 5, if I'm not mistaken, of the Constitution suggests that when things get just totally out of hand, uh, the states can actually call a constitutional convention to, to get things back in order. And uh, I think there's already been like a, a lot of states that have already approved to, to, to move forward with the convention, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. Especially 27 states, there's some kind of a, a, a counting body in the federal government, and it's, and it's behind the curve. Uh, if it, there's a site called coloradofiscal.org that mm-hmm. keeps track of this, and uh, they would argue that they already have uh, the 27 states needed to call a constitutional amendment. Huh. But, you know, Congress can also call for a constitutional amendment. If two-thirds of the Congress calls for one and then three-quarters of the state legislatures agree, uh, we can have a constitutional convention. My understanding, Jim, my understanding is that actually if uh, enough states, maybe it's uh, three-quarters of the states, uh, request a constitutional convention, Congress has to call it. In other words, they, they they don't participate in the decision. They have to comply. Uh, that's right. Uh, so there are two pathways, and, 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 so, and we're very close, it, it seems, to having a constitutional convention. Hmm. Uh, the last time we had one was in 1992, and you may remember this because this was a big news story. Some, some college student had proposed amending the Constitution to prevent members of Congress from giving themselves a pay raise prior to an election. So so if Congress proposed to give themselves a pay raise, and, and this is the law now, uh, voters get a chance to, to vote them out of office in the next election, you know, and, and prevent that from happening. Right. So, so uh, that was the last time, and that was a very good amendment so there's really uh, nothing to fear. But, I mean, a constitutional convention could open up debate on the Second Amendment and gun rights, for example, instead of having the Democrats try to illegally erode rights, you know, we could have this, the, the country decide in a constitutional convention whether that amendment needs adjustments or not. So, for example, uh, myself... And this will not win me friends with the uh, NRA. Think that uh, people with uh, that own uh, guns should be members of a well-regulated militia, and that could be like a, a, a state-sanctioned gun club. And the reason I say that is I belong to gun clubs, and people who belong to gun clubs are generally extremely responsible mm-hmm. with firearms. You know, you have to take hours of training, and in most of the gun clubs I belong to, you have to qualify as a range officer. So I am a qualified range officer. Uh, 
so I think that would be be helpful, but that's just one man's opinion. But I, I'm just you well, know, throwing you, this out there because there, there's there are a lot of things surrounding the Constitution that uh, the Democrats are trying to change uh, by sleight of hand. Yeah, and I'll tell you what's what's kind of scary about uh, the uh, Constitutional Convention, Article Five Constitutional Convention, is that the the uh, fringe could hijack the thing and end up making changes that we all don't like. So uh, some people who don't support this idea uh, have that concern. Uh, right. But, but you know what, that's the rule of law. It's, it's, it's the way the constitutional constitution has created for us to make adjustments and to, to, to modernize the constitution. Yeah. So I'd much rather follow that route despite the risks, than to try to settle this in the streets or to settle it in the back rooms of uh, Congress. No, you make, you make a great point. It's uh, the, maybe the best of the uh, bad alternatives that we have going forward right now. So it's, uh, it's an interesting concept. I think it's, uh, again, uh, did you say 27 states? We need 27 in order? I think it's... I think that's right. I might have it wrong uh, because it's very complex. But, uh, you know, the best discussion of this that i've seen again is at coloradofiscal.org mm-hmm. well there's also an organization uh that that uh, promotes our article 5 convention I just encourage our listeners if you'd like to find out more to go just google or uh, we use uh, DuckDuckGo, but go to a, a web a website search a search engine and, and just take a look at article 5 constitutional convention you get the information that you need and who's behind it and all that type of thing yeah, this, I'm so happy you brought this up, Jim. It's a really interesting concept. Yeah, and it preserves the Constitution instead of, uh, you know, making it a dead letter for for people like uh, <clears throat> Joe Biden to sign executive uh, orders and, and just take Congress out of the whole decision-making process. So, you know, uh, I think it's about time we have a constitutional convention and state that uh, we're in favor of this document. Yeah. No, there's so many. For whatever reason, one of the things that concerns me is that getting justice, the whole wheels of justice grind so slowly. Sometimes you see something. I'll just use the example of a a stolen election using machines and uh, China and just a whole bunch of different things leading to to bad election results. I, I think it'd be great to have... The Supreme Court reviewed the re- election results of every election uh, to uh, s- as part of the certification process. Well, that's that's a great idea. I mean, I'm, it, it, it's a legal avenue, and, and uh, that would be the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Jim, always appreciate your commentary. Again, just to remind our listeners, rated latest uh, novel, No Problem. Check it out by Jim McTagg. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, we've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about uh, more on the legal aspects of abortion law. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Always appreciate his commentary here on the show. I appreciate your comments. Uh, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways that we get the word out and support our advertisers. We couldn't do the show without uh, their support. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>